Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. We're back at you as uh, we crawl closer to a news update at the top of the hour. On the other side, Andrew Shear, the leader of the opposition, is going to be with us. We've got topics worthy of discussion in our panel shortly thereafter. But since we were talking about science and the sophistication therein thereof, I thought we'd pivot to another treatment of science. Uh, we have noted scientist and science journalist Daniel Riskin with us, uh, one time co-host of the Daily Planet. You might have seen that on TV, ran 24 years. Daniel, good to have you in the studio. I'm really uh, very curious about some of the things that you found out over 2018 as far as the big stories in science are concerned. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's it's always fun at the end of the year to sort of look back and try to figure out what, not, not only what caught your attention, but what is going to have a lasting impact on the world. Because that's the beauty of science is it's not just little flare-ups that you forget about. Everything builds on itself. And you can look back at a year and say, wow, I didn't realize that was such a big deal, but now I see that it was. And so, uh, you know, putting together a top 10 list is a good way to sort of reflect, and, and that's what I've done. All right. Well, impacting the world, uh, let me go right to number 10 on your top 10 list. Uh, I'm sure this has repercussions that I don't see at face value, but scientists have figured out how wombats make uh, cube-shaped feces. Yeah. Yeah. That made, that's number 10 for that reason. It's not, I mean, it should be number two, I there guess. There you but go. Oh. Yeah. hey But uh, <laughs> that one may not have, I mean, you could say it's going to influence the sausage making business because they can <laughs> make cube shaped sausages or something. Oh, yeah? I mean, you would expect, so, so wombats have this weird thing. So they're these little pig like animals from Australia mm. and they live in burrows and they like to pile up their poop outside the burrow. And if you have round poop, it it's hard to make a pile out of round poop because sure. it all rolls away. So mm. they have these poops that are sort of more like ice cube shaped. And so the question is, how do they make that shape? And to answer the burning question, no, they don't have a square-shaped opening at the end of their digestive tract. <laughs> uh-huh. So so it, it was a bit of a mystery. And so scientists took inflatable balloons. I guess any balloon's inflatable. But they put, like, the kind of balloons <laughs> that you make circus animals out of, and they blew them up and stuck them into uh, dead wombats that were roadkill and measured how much pressure the digestive system was applying. And they were able to show that it changes along the tract. And if they did the calculations and figured out that should end up making square poop, which I didn't even know you could do that just by squeezing a tube. But No, but that's a gift. I mean, I don't care where you come from. I mean, you know, seriously, uh, as a bricklayer's apprentice one time, uh, yeah, there you go. I can appreciate See, this. You, it, it, the repercussions, you just never know. <laughs> no, and science figured this out, so uh, now they know. Here are a couple of others that I'm curious about. Uh, a rogue scientist using CRISPR on humans. Yeah, this is number nine. So we did this. Uh, we don't have the evidence yet, but this scientist in China has said that they've used this CRISPR technology to genetically modify humans. Right. And uh, it seems believable. He's somebody that should know how to do it, and he's provided some evidence, but it hasn't been in a journal. Um, but this is scary. This is a technology that's less than 10 years old, um, and it has the potential to cure diseases and save the world and save the environment. It has all this potential, but it's dangerous as all get out. 
and it needs to be done carefully. And so scientists had sort of said, okay, we realize we have this Pandora's box here. We're going to take it very slowly. But this guy went rogue in China and decided, I'm going to just do it. And he went and did it. And what he did is he, he modified some DNA inside some twins so that they couldn't get HIV. But the problem with that modification is that it increases the likelihood you could get very, very sick from the flu. Mm. And, you know, whether those kids are going to get HIV in their lives, who knows? But they're probably going to come in contact with the flu. So the ethics of this are a giant mess and everybody's really worked up but i think it's worth putting on the list because it has a big impact well you've heard though that uh, there have been certain scientists working on uh whether it's gene splitting or what the uh correct terminology is but to uh, alleviate things from certain cultural groups or ethnic groups mm-hmm. uh, you know huntington's disease and right. so on and so forth uh how is this different well yeah so i mean if I tell you, if you if you have a, a baby and I tell you that the baby's going to have this genetic problem, so it, the baby's never going to be able to speak, and I say I can fix it with CRISPR, you say, sure, do it. And then you fix it and the baby's healthy, everybody's happy. But then what if I say there's a 10% chance your baby's going to get Huntington's disease or, or some disease in old age? Do you want me to fix that too? Sure. So you do that. And then you're like, do you really want brown eyes for your kids? Or do you think maybe blue eyes? Because your family has mostly blue eyes, but this kid's going to have brown eyes. Do you just want the blue eyes? You say, sure. And so it's a slippery, slippery slope. And so we have, in 2018, we started sliding down that hill. All right. Uh, It's a dangerous development. Danny uh, Riskin is with us. He's a scientist and a science journalist. And we're talking about the top 10 science stories of 2018. as quickly as I can, but the ones that intrigue me, SpaceX, Elon Musk's operation, launch, launches a Tesla Roadster into space. Yeah, everybody was, remembers the most expensive car commercial you've ever seen, but uh, it, it means Elon Musk owns both those companies, SpaceX and Tesla, so he was showing off a new rocket, and instead of putting just a weight on it, he put his old convertible in it, and it went off to space with a guy in a spacesuit. Well, there was hopefully no guy inside the spacesuit, but I couldn't quite tell from the video. Uh, but anyway, there's a spacesuit in there, and that, that car is now space junk heading out into orbit. It's going as far as Mars. It'll be out there for millions of years. Well, it's an interesting story in that sense, but does it have far uh, further reaching implications like uh, this guy's a privateer, first of all. It's not NASA. Yeah, the thing about that launch that I think really made a statement is that the rockets, so it, there were three rockets that pushed that thing up into space, but all three of them came back down to Earth and tried to stick the landing. Two of them stuck it very nicely on the ground, but one of them crashed into the ocean. So the technology of reusable rockets is going to bring the price of space travel way down but the technology is not perfect yet. And so they, the fact that they only went two for three on that tells you something about that. Richard Branson and Mobile, uh, Mobile, uh, Virgin, uh, yeah. th- they got into space last week. Yes. Just a brief encounter with space, though. And they're saying that these would be excursions that would be, I guess, economically viable for the rank and file? Yeah. Well, rank and file, it depends which rank and which file. <laughs> I, I think it's going to be economically viable for the very rich right now. But someday, I mean, our kids, it might be just the thing you do over spring break is take a trip to space. All right. Well, it was a short uh, haul, but here's another one because we're talking about, you know, uh, autonomous vehicles here on terra firma and uh, Uber and Lyft, as I understand it as well, they're working with Magna now, but... uh, there was an autonomous vehicle that crashed and uh, killed somebody in Arizona, right? Yeah, yeah. This was uh, pretty sobering. It was a Uber, self-driving Uber, killed a pedestrian in Arizona. Uh, Uber has been testing this technology, and uh, they have somebody in the car. 
that is supposed to be watching and applying the brake if they see anything go wrong. Kind of like when I took my driving lessons as a kid. You know, when you're just about to get your driver's license, you go out and you're, the person in the passenger seat has their own brake pedal. It's just like that, except here the, the human is in the driver's seat and they're supposed to be watching. But you can imagine how boring that job is. You ride in that car for hours and hours and hours and you have to pay attention. So the driver of this car or the, the passenger, the human, was watching TV on their phone. And this uh, self-driving Uber hit a pedestrian. It was nighttime. The pedestrian was jaywalking across a big road. Uh, whether the person would have seen them in time is hard to say, but uh, that's going to be one for the courts. But uh, the car did see the pedestrian, but thought it wasn't really a pedestrian, thought maybe it was a piece of trash or a plastic bag that was floating, you know, because its algorithms have to be able to, to deal with false positives. And mm-hmm. so it made a mistake. And so there's the engineers have to go back and tweak it. But it would have been nice if, if that could, if a tragedy, could have been prevented. So it it really, I think, drives home the stakes that we're talking about with self-driving vehicles, because we'd all like to just let the cars do some of the work for us so we don't have to pay so much attention when we're stuck on the Don Valley Parkway. But uh, it... If there's that level of danger, uh, I think we have to be very careful. It's reminiscent of the early space race, though, uh, where, you know, we start to get comfortable or casual, take for granted that these launches would go off without any problems. Next thing you know, they're you know blowing up or fires catching with the Apollo, whatever the number eight, mm-hmm. I think, on the, uh, the launch pad. And we even had a, a similar situation in Kazakhstan, I guess, when there was a launch earlier this year, right? Yeah, in October, it was the best possible problem you could have during a space launch. I mean, it, it, this uh, Soyuz rocket took off from Kazakhstan, and uh, it, the the separation of the capsule from one of its rockets failed uh, and the capsule went tumbling down towards the earth. So the people in the, in the, in the spacecraft, they were supposed to be still feeling all these G's pushing them down into the floor to be rocking into space. All of a sudden they were weightless and they were like, Ooh, something's not right. But the, the engineering is so good that they landed and they were totally fine. And uh, it really says something about the engineering that goes into this stuff and how they prepare for the unexpected. Again, with Daniel Riskin, he's a scientist and science journalist, and we're talking about the top 10 science stories of 2018. And while we're still talking about outer space, cause that continues to be the new frontier and uh, fascinates, uh, The inside lander on Mars. Mm. Big story. Yeah, this is great. I mean, uh, it's the first spacecraft to go since since the Curiosity rover, and uh, it it stuck the landing. It it does this thing called the seven minutes of terror, where the engineers... I mean, the the problem is that the speed of light, it takes several minutes for for any message to come back from that thing. So it's not like you can drive it while it's landing. It's got to go on its own. So they program it with all these pre-timed explosions and a the, the big heat shield and parachutes and all this stuff. Everything has to go perfectly. It did. It stuck the landing, and now we have another uh, another lander on Mars taking data, which is just really cool. Do you think that uh, before the end of the century, we'll colonize Mars? Yeah. End of the century, I think, is probably a safe bet. NASA's yeah. saying like 20, 2050 or something like that. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. But I mean, you think about what we were doing 50 years ago, and you look at what we're doing now, uh, I think we're on a trajectory to put humans there. No problem. Really? Sort of like that Matt Damon movie? Yeah. Yeah. If, with any <laughs> luck. With any luck. I, that was a great movie, and I think it inspired a lot of people. And that's the cool thing about, I, I mean, even when humans aren't going to Mars, when something like the Insight Lander goes there, it takes pictures that are so good that you kind of feel like you're there. Mm. And and just the way that those robots uh, that are doing those jobs there sort of perf- personify what it would be like to be there, you can sort of imagine it. Insight sent back these sounds from Mars, right? So you can imagine being there and hearing those things. And as it gets more and more real, uh, you, just, it, you start to imagine going there. And, and right now, humans are sort of stuck going in these low Earth orbits, but uh, humans want to go farther, and I think they will. And if we found life, what form would it take? Well, so what we're really 
really looking for on Mars now is evidence of past life. It seems like Mars was a pretty decent place for a while, same as Earth. Mm -hmm. And then one of them all of a sudden became this hellscape, and the other one was totally fine. And so one of the big questions for Insight is what went wrong on Mars? Why is it so terrible? And it seems like it has to do with what's under the ground. The fact that Earth has this molten core seems to create this magnetic field that protects us from solar radiation. So when the sun blasts us, we get pretty northern lights. When Mars gets blasted by the sun, because it doesn't have molten lava underneath the Earth or underneath Mars, uh, it doesn't have a magnetic field. It's got nothing to protect it. So there's no northern lights. It's just these solar rays blast in and wipe the atmosphere away. And so that's how Mars lost its atmosphere. And that's, uh, that's why Mars is no good anymore. Wow. We'll have to set up a biosphere and uh, terraform the place. But yeah. Finally, yeah, let's do that. that. Easy. Let me ask you, finally, this is number one on the list of top 10 stories from science in 2018. The kilogram is redefined. Does that have anything to do with pot legalization? <laughs> it might, if you were being really, really finicky with the person selling it to you about how much you were buying. Uh, the kilogram since the 1800s has been defined as the weight of this thing that was sitting in a basement in France. And if that thing uh, was weighed and we found out that it actually weighed a little more or a little less than we thought before, everything had to change. Now they've come up with with a new way to define it that's based on mathematical constants. And it's hard to sort of get your head around what they did for the definition of the kilogram, but they did the same thing with the definition of a meter in the 80s, and that one's a lot easier to understand. It used to be a stick that had a certain length, but now it's the distance traveled by a light a beam of light in a certain amount of time. And so that is something that would be true anytime you measured it anywhere in the world. You don't need the stick anymore. And so by redefining the kilogram with these mathematical constants, they, they don't need that weight in the basement. They'll keep it because mm. it's nice to have, right. but you don't need it anymore. And I think when you look back at the progression of science, getting rid of that stupid rock in France and having a kilogram that's defined by constant so that if we have a colony on Jupiter someday and they want to find out exactly what a kilogram is, they can do it themselves without having to get that thing FedEx to them. All right, well, there you go. Uh, precision has <laughs> exactly. finally arrived to the kilogram and other measurements. Great to talk. Wish we had more time. But these pleasure. are the top 10 uh, lists of science stories in 2018. Daniel Riskin is a scientist and science journalist. Uh, really fabulous stuff. Thanks for it. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.